Hey fam, and happy Thanksgiving. As you know, this is the time of year we pause to give thanks for everything that we have in our lives. And one thing I'm always thankful for is the beauty of adoption. You know it's how I grew my family, and my baby sis has now been able to do the same. And since November is also National Adoption Awareness Month, I thought this was a great time for you to meet my sugar mama, my niece Charlie, who is now eight months old. She had a lot to say in this interview, so she talks a lot in the beginning. We did get her to take a nap, child, so we could finish it. And there is great outtakes and footage of that on Facebook. But I thought today was the perfect day for you to meet the newest member of our family, baby Charlie. Hello, hello, and welcome to In My Shoes. It is a podcast for women of color where we talk about the issues we face on a daily basis. And I am your host, Karen Davis Thompson. In my sugar mama, my guest is going to talk throughout this entire episode and it's going to be just fine. As you know, November is National Adoption Awareness Month. So I have invited my little sis to be my guest today because she joined the family about what, eight months ago? Baby is eight months old now. Mm-hmm. About eight months yep. ago. And so we're going to talk about that. And I thought it would be cute for you guys to see Charlie and we'll find out how you can follow her. You got a lot to say today? Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about you and then we'll get started on your adoption journey? Um, yes, you, many of you who listen to the podcast have heard me before, but I work day job for a government agency. I'm a preacher's kid. I'm Karen's little sister, as she said. I also have, I also have a side hustle called Designs by Lynn, which makes custom gifts, t-shirts, and crafts, and things like that. And I have a 13-year-old son, and I have a 8-month-old little baby girl named Charlie. Why don't you tell us why did you choose adoption? Why adoption for you? Um, we grew up dealing with adoption and foster care um, all of my life, and I always knew that I wanted to adopt. We looked at various things. I tried di- different fertility um, things. I weren't, I wasn't willing to try some of the more severe um, things that they have out there for fertility. And um, so, when I reached my limits, um, adoption was the only option for me if I wanted to become a parent. It was. I know some people get maybe a little bit. I don't want to say depressed, but a little bit um, sad when they realize that that's their only option. Um, I was a little more um, emotional than I thought I would be when I found out that I really didn't have a chance to become pregnant. I always thought I'd kind of be okay with that because I wanted to adopt anyway, but it is a different feeling when it is your only option. So you found out that uh, after trying, after you got married, that adoption was going to be um, your only option, even though originally you wanted to be able to do both and why was it important for you to experience both like for me as everybody knows I had no desire to be pregnant um that was the choice that I made so why was that something that was important for you to try and what was it like having to grieve that process that you would not be able to uh, birth a child I at first um for me it was you know um me having given birth to a child would be more so when I found the man that I wanted to marry that I was in love with Um, I thought it would just be a joy to see what the two of us mixed up together would be like. Um, Obviously, the person I marry, I marry them for a reason, and I have traits about them that I love. Um, And so it would just be interesting to see what me and him mixed up together would look like, how that baby would act, um, the little traits that the baby would have that maybe be similar to me or my husband. So that was more so of it, and um, that was more of a dream per se if I got married, if I never got married. Um, then it wasn't a desire really for me to be pregnant. Um, I would have just gone straight for adoption. 
Um, but finding the man that I love, that I want to marry, I wanted to experience that piece of it. Um, you know, ignore the whole nine months, getting pregnant, throwing up, getting fat and all that. I didn't need that. But <laughs> um, it was more so just to see what me and the man I loved what meshed up look like together. Um, when I went to the doctor and um, I had some blood work done and I had some results and he's talking to me. And I was fine in the doctor's office and he said, you know, adoption is a great option. And I said, oh, no. I said, I, I have no problem with that. I understand that. I just kind of see where I wanted to, you know, be in, in this path. And when I left work early to go to the appointment, so when I got back into um, the car, I called one of my coworkers and I thought I was completely fine. I did not really feel emotional. And the doctor had told me that it was less than a, I think it was a 4% or 3% chance that I would ever get pregnant. And he was a Christian fertility doctor. So he said, of course, God has the final say, but he likes to be realistic to tell you really where you stand. And I was understanding with all of that. And I'm talking to her. She said, oh, what did the doctor say? And I said, he said, and before I could get it out, I burst out in tears. I don't know where it came from. I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't really feeling emotional about it. Um, but obviously it affected me in a different way. And just the simple fact that I got married, found the man that I love, and then this this dream or this idea I had was not going to come to fruition. So it wasn't so much that I was upset that I now I had to adopt or that was my choice. It was just more so this one aspect of it, of my whole life. As you know, you dream as a little girl, that aspect of it was gone. And that aspect is not an option. Okay, so now we've had our opportunity to grieve that because it is a grieving process when that was something you may mm -hmm. have wanted to do. And so when did you guys start talking about adoption? How did you know you wanted to go about it? So I was a foster parent. Um, you all chose to go the private adoption route. So how did you guys come to that decision? Uh, what went into it? Uh, how did you, how was that process? Because I haven't talked to many people who've done it privately. Like, you know, the lady from Raising Cultures that I interviewed, she also was a foster parent. So what was it like from the private adoption side and how did you guys decide to go that route? Um, well, just the adoption option period, every man that I dated that I thought we were serious and going in that direction had to agree that adoption was okay with him. Um, I felt that strongly about it. If he was not okay with adopting, then I felt like he wasn't the man for me. So I made it very clear when I was dating people that, you know, adoption was something that I wanted, whether or not I could have children or not. Um, physically, that part didn't matter. I wanted to adopt. That was the bottom line. Um, so it's always been said from the beginning. So that was known. Um, once we started, we um, tried to go through the foster care system. Um, I don't know if it's everywhere or just in Florida, but it can be difficult and an emotional, an emotional roller coaster. Um, we had chances with a couple of little girls. We went through the um, home, home study process. Um, all of that is tedious. Um, it's just amazing to me. Maybe it's wrong, but they go through your life with a fine tooth comb. Um, and they, the way I feel is they give little babies and children back to parents who they don't even make them do all the things that they're making you do. Um, so that can be frustrating. It's very, it's very evasive in your life. And it's just, um, you just feel like, oh my gosh, I have to do this. I have to do this. And so that became a little bit tedious, but the emotional part for me was when you have these children in your life and you see what's going on in their home life and you they could be with you for two years 
And then eventually, because with foster care, their goal is reunification with the parents. And um, after two years, they could have done things wrong, done things right, gone back and forth, and then finally get things together. You've grown an attachment to this child, and now you have to turn the child back over to their parents, and you have no choice about it. And depending on the parent is whether or not you have a relationship with that child going forward. Um, So emotionally, that was even worse for me. Um, it was getting hit with that. I can't have any biological children. And then it's almost like there's all these kids out there that you want to help and it doesn't seem to be going that way. And it's like, you can't help them. Um, so we decided to go through the, um, private, private route. Um, it's a little more costly, um, but nothing is 100% guaranteed. So that is just it. But with the private, at least these were individuals who um, were choosing this option or felt that they could not take care of their children and were admitting that. And they wanted to use adoption as an option because they wanted to see a life given to their child that maybe they can't provide at the time, um, that they can't see themselves providing. Um, Maybe this isn't what they wanted right now, but we all know things happen, but they still care about children and want the child to be safe. So it's more of an option that these individuals choose, um, which I think is better than when a child is taken from a parent, it's hard for them to admit that maybe they can't care for them. So there's a long time frame that goes by that um, this child is like in limbo. Um, and so after the, you know, the, the chance of um, me having this little girl, she was older um, and she was, um, had gotten an attachment to me, it was an attachment to her. Um, things did not go well with her mother. And so that was over. And we all know typically once the mother's rights are severed, usually it's a little bit easier, but that was not the case. And um, it, 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 it's, it's very emotional. I just don't know even, there's no other word for it. And to already be emotional for that and then going through that, I didn't know how much longer I could go to doing that. And also I was older, so I didn't have, you know, like eight years to hopefully get matched with a child or be um, with a child, you know. Um, and nothing guaranteed, like I could have continued on that path and maybe in two weeks I would have gotten a phone call and things would have been different, but maybe not. Right. And I can totally agree with that. I know you were with me throughout that process, uh, when my husband and I were doing it. And so you saw the highs and lows of all of that. Uh, and so you guys decide to go the private route and did you think that it would be a little easier? Were there bumps in the road? You know, however much you're comfortable Uh, talking about it I know a lot of times people think oh you get matched and we're out to the races was that your experience or what was that like for you and did you find that there was the same or I guess a similar emotional roller coaster that maybe you weren't expecting um I would probably say yes 100% there was an, an emotional roller coaster that I was not expecting um but with the agency that I chose, I know that people can see on TV and that's kind of what I expected at first. Um, you know, you go through all this training, you talk to people and they hand you a little book that has pictures of babies and then you get to pick a baby and then you go meet the baby or the parents. But with this adoption agency, the um, parent picks you. They pick the adoptive parent, which is a little bit different than what we traditionally hear. Um, so I kind of like that aspect of it. It was a Christian adoption agency. So it had a lot of the same values that I have. Um, the process is just as tedious. They're just as much in your business, um, if not more, um, because these people, if they're choosing you, they want to know as much as they can know about you, but vice versa, the same thing. You get a lot of information about the birth parent 
because they drill them almost as much as they drill you. And did you find y'all, my, my niece is having a good time. Did you find <laughs> that, you know, oh, they, they matched you with, with baby Charlie and that was it? Or what was that journey like for you? I know you said there were some emotional roller coasters there, but uh, was it just more anticipation of waiting? I mean, I already know the answer to these questions, but the people listening don't know. So <laughs> what really happened for you guys once you signed with this agency and you all were ready to be matched with a birth parent? Um, once we got um, signed and everything was official, then there were there's a whole nother step before you're put on the list to be able to be eligible. Once that happens, it's just a waiting game. Um, the people, a couple of people I'm close to at work, they all knew that if my phone rang and it said the adoption agency that, you know, I was going to jump up. Um, the very first phone call I got was actually two weeks in. Um, and this agency gives you almost a two year period. And it's mostly a guarantee that 95% of their um, clients get matched and adopt within the first two years. Um, so when I got the phone call after two weeks, I was in someone else's office. That's the one time I didn't have my phone with me. I was carrying it around. And I got looked down when I got back to my office and they had called. And I listened to the message and they said, hey, we have somebody that we think that they want to talk to you. They've matched you. And I run down to the office and I was like, what do I do? And she's like, uh, call them back. So um, I called them back. They matched me with a young lady. Um, and she was, this was around, I guess, like, August, I think. And they said she wasn't due until March 17th. Um, that's important in the story. Um, gotcha, gotcha. But she wasn't due. <laughs> that she was due until March 17th. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so long. So, you know, they go over all of the information for her. They have us talk to each other. Um, she was a very nice young lady. We talked frequently um, when she went to doctor's appointments. She shared sonogram pictures with me, um, different things like that. But after about uh, two weeks, um, the texts weren't as readily replied to. Um, we, I called her a few times. She did dance her. So I was getting a little nervous more. So it's a very weird because you don't know how much to say, what not to say, what questions to ask, what not to ask. You don't want to offend them. Um, and I'm pretty sure they're feeling the same way. So I was more worried that I said something that upset her and offended her that I didn't realize that I did. Um, I got a phone call from the agency that said that she was just still wavering and she was unsure. So she didn't want to, you know, drag anybody along and she's completely unsure. So of course I was upset, not like mad, just kind of more disappointed, I guess is the better word. Um, I was disappointed, but I understood and I appreciated her for not being sure. Um, as time went on, um, I got matched with another young lady about a month later. Um, things seemed to be great. She was due in December. We were all ready for a Christmas baby. We are running around here. Um, there are things that I didn't know um, that um, there's like some expenses that um, birth mothers can request when it's private. And so she requested some of those. Um, it wasn't obscene, but it still was a request. Um, there were little signs that I probably should have seen. And at any point I can say, hey, this isn't for me. Um, but, you know, you want this so bad until you kind of overlook some of those signs that God has given you like, hey, and in the beginning, the agency told me that you always think that this isn't going to work. But when you finally get your baby, the situation is going to be perfect. It's going to all work smoothly. And this is going to be the baby that God has meant for you. 
and you say to yourself, yeah, you tell that to everybody. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been disappointed before. Um, so basically the bottom line was I was, I actually left work, was off work for maternity leave or paternity leave. And it was the first day and I'm waiting for the phone call to say she gave birth. Long story short, um, she was a bit of a fraud. Um, there were some lies there. She had given birth five days prior to what she said she was. Um, and it was a reality of that I was not going to be able to get that baby. Um, I took off work probably for the still a couple of days because um, I was I was really jacked up and emotional. And as my sister knows, I just sent a text and said, this isn't going to work right now. And, you know, we're, there's the baby's a no go. And I really don't feel like talking about it right now. And that was it. Um, and it took me a minute to get over that because I had seen 3D sonograms of this baby. Um, she had shared all kinds of stories with me. Um, we had the names picked out, all of that. We had the room set up. We had bought extra things because we were waiting to buy some things until we knew if we had a boy or a girl. Um, all of those things seemed to be finalized and then for it to be backed out at the last minute. So I took a few days off from work and went back to work and um, I just had to move on and I made some adjustments to some of the, you get to pick some choices. Like if you want the baby from any state in your home state, a different state, and there's different rules and laws if you go to another state. Um, and so I kind of lessened my parameters only because I didn't want what happened to me to happen again. Um, and the lawyer I chose had more control in Florida and Georgia. And so I just said, I only wanted those two states and that's it. Um, I can't handle this. My husband can't handle this. You know, we can't handle this. So I just said, um, no, we're going to do this. And if it lessens my chances, what's meant to be is meant to be. Um, and then probably about, I would say two and a half months later, I get a phone call about a little boy. Um, when I made this phone call, I was more listening to God this time. Um, I talked to the young lady a few times and she seemed to be a little bit disinterested. The conversation just didn't seem to be important to her. Um, she told me, oh, can I, can I call you back? Never would call me back. So I called the agency and I said, you know, I don't think this is going to work for me. I'm getting a bad vibe. And I've learned that I need to listen to the bad, bad vibe and move on. That was a Tuesday. On Thursday, I got a, call, a phone call about a young lady who was actually in the process of choosing me, but I was trying to make a decision about the little boy. And at this agency, they're not going to present two babies to you or two families to you at the same time. They want you to solely make your choice on what's in front of you. She called first. That's what I was trying to do. Once I made that decision, they let the young lady know that I was available and my family was available. Um, I got the call on a Thursday. Um, we talked a little bit via text. She wasn't... Um, didn't feel comfortable enough to talk on the actual phone. So we text, we agreed to be matched. Um, and on Monday, she was in the weekend. She said, how soon are you guys looking to adopt? And I said, oh, we're ready at any time. And she thought she was going to go a little early. She wanted to go to the doctor on Tuesdays. That's her appointment. Um, again, I left work. Usually I'm attached to my phone waiting for a phone call. Went to go run some errands. Didn't even pay attention. Left my phone in the car. Got back in the car. Got back to work. And my lawyer, remember it was Thursday, I got the phone call. On Tuesday, my lawyer said, um, did your birth mom call you? I said, no, why, what happened? She's supposed to go to the doctor today. She said, ah, oh, she's in the hospital. She's gonna go to labor. You need to get in the car and get there. Um, this was out of state, so we had to drive. Um, I get back in the job and I'm so excited. And as I start to tell them, I've gotta go because the baby, I burst out in tears again. <laughs> and I was shaking 
I couldn't believe that this was really happening. And um, I called my husband and he was like, oh, well, um, I guess I gotta tell my job. And he's trying to figure out what he needs to do. Um, and of course, typically, um, no matter how grown you are, I called my mommy <laughs> and I told her, <laughs> and I told her, yes. <laughs> Yes. And I mean, I love my husband, but, you know, he's a man. So usually they're not very, you know, good at the emotion part. <laughs> and so I really wanted her to go because my fear was, is that being there and actually getting in this car, driving there, talking to this young lady. Um, again, I saw sonograms, 3D sonograms and getting there. If it didn't work out, um, I wasn't sure I'd be able to really withstand that. And it'd be one of those moments where I would want my mommy. So she went with us. We get up there. We get up there like at midnight. Um, I get a call from the nurse the next morning saying she's about to go in labor. You need to get there. And I get there, a nervous wreck um, because of COVID. Um, it was, I was only the one allowed to go inside the hospital. Um, I was going to be the only one allowed in the room, obviously, because she's female. I'm female. She was having some blood pressure issues. So I didn't get to go in the room at the actual birth. But literally, I was there right after she came out, still the little, you know, my sister picks at me, but all that garb and dirt and all whatever it is all over them. I was right there. Um, and I was, like I said, I was nervous. Um, the receptionist tried to calm me down. I got in the room and immediately when she handed the baby to me, um, I was immediately in love. Um, I always pick at my sisters because, you know, babies are all swollen and everything when they first come out. And I always say to people, why do y'all send them pictures? Can y'all wait till you clean them up or something? No, there I was texting the pictures <laughs> right there saying, oh my gosh, she's here. Um, so immediately we got to do skin to skin. We got to do all of that. And the reason why I said the date earlier in the story is because I always tell people that God way back then, if I wouldn't have been so stubborn and listen, with the first young lady, God was telling me the date I was going to be a mom because her birthday, Charlie's birthday is March 17th. And that was the date that the first young lady was due. And I thought it was so long and so far away. So I think about what the agency tells you all the time that everything works in his timing. And when you get the baby, it's the baby that you and your family is supposed to have and what you're supposed to have. And so March 17th, if I would have just sat my happy butt down <laughs> and just waited, and I probably wouldn't have thought that it was really going to happen because literally I was up to five days up until the date. Um, and that's how quickly it happens. Your life changes in an instant. So when you are going private, you just have to, like they say in church, be ye ready. You have to be ye ready. Um, I had to be ready to get in that car and leave, if, especially if I wanted the whole experience. Um, of being there, I would have missed out on all of that. And the hospital was great. I loved it. They had experience. I got my own room. She got her own room. The baby was me majority of the time. Um, and, you know, even when we left the hospital, they made me sit in a wheelchair and go out the whole, the whole shebang, just like you would do if I would have given birth. So they were great there. Was there ever a time in this process? I know I felt it a few times where, you know, I had a, a, a child that we had from five weeks until she was a little over a year old. Um, you know, the mom started visits. We were worried about how it would affect our son. You know, it didn't work out. That was the second child I'd had where it didn't work out the way we wanted it to. And there were days when I thought this is not 
going to happen. Like this just is not ever going to happen. Did you ever feel, did you have days where you just felt like, well, maybe this, I'm just not supposed to do this. You know, I'm just not going to be a mama at all. Um, several days I thought that, especially after the young lady who was um, not truthful, um, especially after that, I just said, well, maybe this is, it's weird because you're supposed to listen to him, but then you start thinking and you're getting in your own head. I'm thinking to myself, that's God telling me that this isn't for you. This isn't what you're supposed to be doing. Um, but just to be honest, at that point, it really didn't matter to me, I guess, how I felt because you're in it financially. <laughs> So you've committed uh, a, a, a quite a bit of money, you know, you, you've committed to that. So, and there's no turning back. There's no, so it's either I go through this and see what happens or I stop and I still don't get the money back. So either way, I'm not getting the money back. So I might as well just continue the process to see where it leads me. But um, yeah, there were times I'm thinking I'm going to be the one. There's a 5% that don't get matched in the two years. I'm like, I'm going to be the one <laughs> that doesn't get matched in the two years. That'll be me. I'll be the 5%. I'll go through all of this. And I still won't have what I'm desiring, which is a child and to be a mother. And I thought that my, 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 my requests were pretty broad. So, you know, we would take a child from zero to five. Um, we didn't care about the gender, where it be boy or girl. Um, we were willing to take some, um, mixed races or black. Um, so that was a broad pool of kids, but, you know, it just seems like, okay, we're just sitting around waiting. So it is good and bad. It's good that they get to pick you so that you know that they're serious, but you are just sitting around waiting. And I don't know if that made it worse and made it feel like this is never going to happen, you know, but I just look at it that Monday, my life was one way. And by Thursday, completely different. And three days later, I had what I wanted. So um, that's how quickly God works. That's how quickly this whole process works. Um, the minute you think or the minute you think you want to give up or this is it, this isn't for you, um, it seems to happen. Um, and for people out there who are waiting, all I can say is, is that it's a difficult process. But if you wait, you have to think about the child that you will will receive the the influence and the difference you're going to make in that child's life. And even the, the little girl that I didn't have a chance to adopt, um, I truly believe I made a difference in her life. Um, and so you just have to look at it like that, that, you know, during this process, if you give up, you are a loving person, someone who's going to love a child regardless, unconditionally. And if you give up, some child out there is going to miss out on that and they're going to miss out on you. Oh, girl, that is a wow. That's deep. Yeah, if you, <laughs> that is true. If you give up that baby that was supposed to have your love and influence, who knows where they're going to be? And I often say that even about your niece, my daughter. Um, she's a lot mm -hmm. of work. But if we had not persevered and done it, who would have done for her the things that we do for her and are still doing? Um, and the same for my mm -hmm. niece there. You know, who would be the one to do the things for her that you're doing or would she have the same life that she has with a loving extended family because as my mother as y'all know as a mama likes to say um she the youngest grandbaby my next youngest grandbaby is 20 she is forever telling everybody <laughs> that right so we haven't had a little baby since my daughter was little uh and so 
all of the love and attention that she gets, who knows what that would have been like. Uh, so if you had to, and you've probably kind of answered this, but what would be the biggest piece of advice you would give to a couple or to someone who wants to adopt and they're trying to figure this whole thing out? Maybe they're a little discouraged. What would you say to them? Um, even if they're just thinking about adoption, what 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 advice would you give? Um, the biggest piece I'd probably give is, you know, do what you're comfortable with, whether it's um, through the foster care system in your state, um, whether it's private adoption, um, do what is comfortable for you. Um, go to as far as what's comfortable with you. Um, don't let anyone talk you into um, circumstances or a situation with a child that you're not comfortable with. Um, it, you have to be comfortable with that. Um, you know, me and you have talked several times that some people are saying, oh my gosh, but what if this or what if that with the baby? Well, you don't know what you're going to get when you give birth to a child. Um, so you just have to pray about it. You raise the child to the best of your ability and that's it. Um, and you love and you give unconditional love and that's it. Um, but you can't, you can't let other people influence you, you, your core family, whoever that is, your husband, just you, whoever it is, you have to make that decision as a family on what is comfortable for you. Um, what is your limit? Um, whether you don't want to do private, whether you want to do um, just regular foster care first, um, you have to know what you can handle emotionally. Um, but regardless, I need you to know that it's all going to be emotional. Um, I don't care which route you go. Um, I don't care what happens. It's going to be emotional, like all across the board. There's going to be highs, there's going to be lows, but you've got to persevere and realize at the end, the high, the biggest high is this influence and in the child that you will receive. Um, however, that path may take you, you know? Um, but I just say persevere, pray about it, and you really need to, to listen to you and yourself and know what your limits are and what you're willing to do. Um, some people are saying, oh, I couldn't go private. I'm not going to do that. And if it's not for everybody, um, like I said, it's not less work, it's different work. Um, so depending on the agency you choose, do your research if you decide to do private. Um, I took a couple of people who I knew who had gone through this agency and I took some advice from them. Um, so just, you need to do your own research, look up things, ask as many questions, um, you and your husband or whoever it is, if you're single, talk about it, talk with some other people, questions that you didn't think about asking. Um, but just do your own research and do it. It's comfortable for you, but know that all the whole process is emotional. So there's no way that nothing's going to take away that emotion or take away because regardless, there's still want to make sure that you are right fit and that you can care for a child. So there's going to be a little bit of in your business, no matter what you do. So just be prepared for that and, you know, do what's comfortable for you. That is so true. I do I agree with what you said earlier. Sometimes I feel like, you know, you can be whatever type of person and have a baby, but my God, try to adopt one and honey, they want your whole life history. I mean, they want it mm -hmm. all. And I know like even in foster care, there are some things that you may have done 20 years prior and it eliminates you from being able to be a foster parent and then adopted. The state is ridiculous, but I mean, I get it. You want mm -hmm. these children to have a good home. Um, and so, you know, it's just one of those things you have to deal with. Um, before we go, tell us the significance of my sugar mama's name, especially that first name, Charlie. <laughs> well, her complete name is Charlie Marcel Connage and Charlie is after my dad. His name is um, Charles, 
And so um, he didn't have any boys. Bless his heart. Stuff with all girls, yeah. four girls. <laughs> so um, I named her after my dad. And coincidentally, even though it was after my dad because of that purpose, but my husband's father's real first name is Charles also. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So um, that's not the name that he kind of goes by, but it, uh, he his name is Charles. But it really goes after my um, father. And my husband, Marshall, is my husband's middle name. So a little bit of my dad, a little bit of my husband, and um, I think it's a perfect stage name. So um, <laughs> we're just gonna call her, you know, when she makes it big and she's all out there and you know, big. So just look for Charlie Marshall because she's gonna be big and that's gonna be her stage, her stage name. We're gonna drop the last name and her stage name is just gonna be Charlie Marshall. So we're already thinking about that. She's eight months old, fam. She's eight months old. So. Yes, oh. she has her own Instagram yes. and her own Facebook. Yes, I was gonna have you mention that. So where can we follow Charlie? Yes, so on Instagram and Facebook, she is Charlie Says 2021. Um, she has her own logo and everything. She has a lot to say. Yes, she does, um, as we, we saw earlier her. tonight. Yes, yes. <laughs> we, um, we just it's just their day-to-day following her her life her experiences um her little cute pictures um her little sayings and everything um so you can go and follow her on instagram and facebook um she has some words for y'all she has words of encouragement sometimes she has something funny to say sometimes um she just has all kind of lots of things to yes say. She's, so you've got to follow her to be able to see what she's got to say she's very very bright and able to speak in eight months and charlie how do we spell it because that's important yes it is c-h-a-r-l-i c-h-a-r-l-i yes that's very important because people be trying to put the e on the end if you do that you will not find her yes so it's c-h-a-r-l-i is where you can find her charlie says 2021 correct Yes. Okay. Yes. So I'm encouraging everybody to follow my boo, follow my baby girl. <laughs> Very important. So thank you so much for spending this time with me and for letting everybody see my sugar mama. My sugar mama. Yeah. She won't. She has gone to sleep during the interview. Praise the Lord, because she. I did not expect her to be that talkative, but sister girl had a lot to say. Oh, I did want to yes, ask one thing. What is something that you're looking forward to doing with her? Um, you know, we all dream about what it's like to be a parent. Uh, what is it that you're most looking forward to doing with my sugar mama, Charlie? Um, I can probably say, I think that it changes daily. Um, I think about things for right now. I'm more so excited for the time. I know everybody's like, don't let her grow up so fast, but I see people walking with her in the mall, holding hands and she can just kind of walk and get out of the car and talk to you. Um, I think I'm waiting for that stage. Um, and being able to just go to the store with her where I don't have to hold her. I know what she's thinking, know what her little personality is going to be like. Um, and I know this is going to sound weird, but if you know me, you would not think it's weird, but I can't wait till she goes to school and we've got like school projects to do. And we've got to like, you know, make stuff and pumpkins and she's got book reports and all that. Y'all know, I really get into that. Um, I have another little niece. She well, she's not little I'm anymore. Say, she's 25. I'm about to say, honey, little yes. niece, go ahead. But she had a whole project that she had to do on Rosewood. We had the little preacher. We burned down the church. We had little graves. We had the train and people running towards the train. I mean, I just can't wait until she has like book reports and projects that we're gonna have fun doing. She's probably gonna be mad at me because she's like, Mom, it's not all of that. We don't have to do that. But 
if anybody knows me knows I get off on that kind of stuff. Yes. So I just can't wait. Yes, she does. She likes <laughs> Office Depot or Staples. Which one is your yes. fave or both of them? Office Depot. I like them both, but Office, Office Depot. Depot. Yeah, she gets off on that. I guess that's part of why with your business and personalized gifts or whatever, but baby girl be into that mm -hmm. stuff. She had she had a cricket before I even knew how to spell it. Like, I didn't even know how you spell cricket. <laughs> she had a cricket. I was like, what is that? So, I am sure my poor baby going to be calling me Tanti. She won't let me do this project by myself because you're going to meet them to go over and the polar baby. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Well, thank you, Amber, for agreeing to be my guest today and introducing everybody to Charlie. If there's anything you want to hear us talk about on In My Shoes, you know what to do. Hit me up at KDT at InMyShoesToday.com. That is KDT at InMyShoesToday.com. Happy National Adoption Awareness Month to all of us in the community. And until we get to speak again, be blessed. Hey fam, don't forget we are in the middle of our Giving Tuesday challenge. We're trying to reach our donation goal before November 30th, which is Giving Tuesday. All of the information you need to help us out, you can find in the show notes. It'll tell you just what you need to do to donate. Also, go on over to our Facebook page, like and share this podcast, and let us know what you're grateful for this holiday season. Mm -hmm.